What's up, everybody? Hey, I'm Mark, and I'm glad that you are here, whether it's in person or online. I'm pointing at the red dot, which is you online. How you doing? Hey, I'm glad you're here, especially this is your first time. For real, if this is your first time, welcome to South Point. I'm glad you kind of took out some time to check us out. Uh, maybe you consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know where you are with this whole Jesus, God, church stuff. You and your questions are welcome here. Seriously, this is a great time. It's a great place to explore your faith, but also it's a great time to come because we're talking about some things that I think are going to really answer some of your questions. So I'm glad that you're here. Hey, I am the campus pastor at the Allen Park campus, and in two weeks, we're celebrating something that all of us get to celebrate together. We're excited about it's uh, Allen Park campus 10th anniversary birthday. Woohoo! Yeah. 10 years in Northern Down River, we launched 101010. Super fun to say. October 10th, 2010, with some Krispy Kreme. Donuts, if you were there, I remember that. They were yummy. Um, anyways, that had nothing to do with anything, but we're going to celebrate two weeks from now. So excited about that. Um, also, so today, I want to ask you a question before we get started. And it's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Um, have you ever felt unprepared? Duh. <laughs> Easy question, right? Have you ever felt unprepared for something? Maybe you're a young person, student, a kid, and you're going to school, and you know there's a test today. You totally felt unprepared, right? mostly because you didn't study. But even if you did study, you might feel unprepared sometimes, right? A parent, maybe when you actually send your child to school, you feel like you're sending them to, and you don't even know if you can prepare them for all of the things that they may be experiencing, right? Today or this school year. Maybe you're an adult and you're going to work or um, a family relationship and you, you have no clue how you're going to handle it. You're concerned about it, right? I am just not prepared for this. You got a guy or a girl that you're interested in and you want to say something to them, but you have no clue what to do. There's so many moments in our lives when we just feel unprepared. And then we just think about life in general. <laughs> life is hard, isn't it? We feel unprepared all the time. Just wake up some days and you're like, I don't think I'm prepared to life for life today. What about if you're a Christian? Have you ever felt, <laughs> have you ever felt like you just stink at this Christian living thing? <laughs> Like you wake up and like, man, I just keep struggling with the same temptations. I give in the same habits over and over. Sometimes I just don't feel like I have the desire to even spend time with God. His, the Bible doesn't seem exciting to me in prayer. I'm just going through the motions, going to church. And maybe like when the worship music's happening, the songs are coming, you're like, nah, just standing there, kind of zoned out. Your heart's not in it. I mean, honestly, is your faith kind of making an actual impact on your life? Or is you just kind of the same person you've always been? hey, I, I felt like that before. Imagine all of us have at some point. And before I get too much into this message, the words that we just sang, I just don't want to lose them. Oftentimes we sing songs and it's emotional, we like them, it's fun, or it means something because the music and that kick drum was just kicking, right? And, but those words were truth. I don't know if you caught that. Like, do you really believe that God's here? Will you meet me here again? Do you believe that? Come Holy Spirit. I mean, do you think the Holy Spirit's coming? Waymaker. Do you really think he's a waymaker? Students, kids, do you think he's a waymaker? Or are you going to make your own way through school this year? Your friends, adults, parents, do you think he's the waymaker? Or are you the waymaker in your home? It's all up to you and your decisions. Like, is he the waymaker? Like these words that we sing, are they true? Do you really believe them? They're powerful. It's actually called theology. Theology, it matters. We all feel unprepared. And what you believe about God, which is theology, the study of God, really matters. Because if, if you've ever felt unprepared, 
It's a horrible feeling. What if God gave you everything that you needed? What if he actually had like the coolest, most amazing, like Swiss army knife, multi-purpose survival tool ever so that you could be prepared for no matter what situation you ever find yourself in? You interested? Well, that's what we're going to talk about because God has provided you supernatural power. This series, we've been talking about theology. We've been focusing on God, who he is and who he's revealed himself to be, this one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and now this third week we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's one God, three persons, not three gods and not one God acting in three different modes. It's one God, three divine, distinct persons, but one being. If you missed the first two messages, I really encourage you to go check out the website. You can watch the video or listen to the podcast. Today, we're focusing on the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times, people think the Holy Spirit is kind of this impersonal, weird force, right? It's just a, it's like a symbol of God's power and presence, like Star Wars kind of thing. May the force be with you, but it's not a physical being. And yet, Jesus does compare the Spirit to the wind, right? He says, like the wind, the wind is real, uh, but you can't see it, but it's powerful, but also, he says more, more times than not, he says it's, it's a he or a him. He refers to it as a person. It has a feelings. It has feelings, emotions, thought, will, the spirit. That's what we're going to talk about. And Ephesians chapter 4 is where we find the, what brings unity in our faith, all the core beliefs. So why don't we read this one more time together. It's going to be on the screen. Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One spirit. It's a big deal. I don't think you realize how awesome and amazing this spirit is. I don't think you realize what God has promised and offered. I don't think we realize that when we wake up, how confident and prepared we can be because of this Holy Spirit. Think about this. Jesus said this to his disciples. This blows my mind. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, it's better for me to leave you. <laughs> what? No, please. Hey, could you stick around, dude? I need you. Please stick around, man. He says, no, it's better for me if I leave. Because if I leave, then I can send you the Holy Spirit, the advocate. Jesus, yes, is God. And yet somehow he limited himself to that physical body while he was Jesus on this earth. He could only be at one place at one time. And yet not so with the Spirit. The Spirit can be with all of us at all moments, every time, no matter where we go. And Jesus says, it's going to be better if you let me send this to you. I'm, I'm promising you, I've got the coolest, most amazing survival tool ever. Trust me on this. So here's what we believe as a church about the one spirit. The Holy Spirit is God drawing sinners to Christ, living in the Christian to produce Christ-like character and empowering us for service. We cannot live this life that God asks us to live without the Holy Spirit. Part of the reason why you're so frustrated with life and so destroyed and like devastated at times and just defeated is because you're trying to do this on your own. And Christians, so many times you think that now that you said yes to Jesus, somehow you're a better person and now you can do something that you really can't do. You need the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says. Sometimes we get super hyper-focused on the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's all, it's, it's all about the, the, the Spirit. But Jesus says that's not the case. The Spirit actually has a purpose. Listen to this in John 15, 16. He will testify about me. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. The ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point us, point people to Jesus Christ and to help us to become more and more like Jesus. That's the end game, Jesus, right? 
They're a team. It's one person they're pointing us to. So here's our big idea. We keep filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered for holiness and equipped for service. Empowered for holiness and equipped for service. This Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, it is so amazing, this gift that we have been given. When you say yes to Jesus and come up out of those waters of baptism, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Scripture says. You are given the Holy Spirit. It's a gift, not because of what you did, but because of the gift that God wants to give you. And you need to keep filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not like your gas tank that like you run out of the Holy Spirit after 20 miles. It's not like a flat tire that it's slowly leaking out Holy Spirit out of you as you're walking. It's different. How do you keep filled with the Holy Spirit? It's when you stay in tune, in touch with the Holy Spirit, with God's Word. So when you are reading, when you're opening up God's Word and I'm obedient to it in prayer, when I'm staying close to God's Word and allowing it to control me and being obedient, then you are continuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't get credit for filling yourself. Your job is to stay filled with the Holy Spirit by being obedient. This isn't some like mystical, emotional experience. It's just practically staying close to God. So are you a Spirit-filled Christ follower? And Paul says this in Romans 8 9. I don't know if you know this. There's really no other such thing. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. You can't be a Christ follower without the spirit. Christ followers have the spirit. Do you have Christ? Have you said yes to Jesus? Come out of those waters. Do you have the spirit? And if you do, then do you realize what you've been given? So I want to tell you, there's eight things that the Holy Spirit does for you, provides for you. Amazing, literally. You know those Swiss Army knives you just keep pulling out gadget after gadget after gadget? Like, dude, this is awesome. I can do everything with it. The Holy Spirit is insane what it provides you. Number one, he convicts us. Woo, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? Trust me, you need it. He convicts us. He points out our sin and need for forgiveness. Here's the deal. You know when mom gives you that look, or if your husband, maybe your wife gives you that look in the morning, no words are necessary. You know something's not right. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> something's wrong, man, and you know it. You know something's wrong, and you got to decide, do I want to test the waters? Do I want to find out what's wrong, or I'm just going to hope this ride this out, right? Or you have the guts to have, ask the question, hey, is everything okay? <laughs> like, you get the look. Holy Spirit convicts you. It point, it, it nudges you. It, like, that conscience, it lets you know and tugs on your heart. Dude, something's broken. Like, the fellowship that you were meant to enjoy with God is broken. You need to fix this. You need forgiveness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Listen to what Jesus said. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. He convicts us. We need to know because we just want to pretend like everything's cool. And the Holy Spirit reminds us when it's not. He also not just convicts us of our sin. He also points out our need for salvation. Like it's not just up to you to decide when and where you want to know about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is constantly pursuing, encouraging, helping, nudging, talking, leading you to know who he is. So at some point when you decide you actually finally want to know who God is and want to say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, because he reveals himself mostly through the word, God's word, then he will make sure that you have the word that you need so that you know about Jesus. So you can say yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is constantly working at you. So he's like your greatest advocate. He's on your team. He's helping you out. Because the devil's out to get you. That's just the first thing he does. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is he recreates in us. He recreates us or brings out this new eternal life. Like, have you ever noticed, if you watch those baptism videos here, at our, like sometimes, have you ever noticed a super, you probably have never noticed this before because this is really technical and detailed and it'll blow your mind. When people go under the water, right, they go in the water, and then when they come up out of the water, they still look the same. <laughs> 
Did you ever notice that? Literally, they look exactly the same. Their hair color doesn't change. Nothing about them changes. What? Where's this holy Christian that's supposed to come out of his water? They look like the same old guy, right? They're just wet. Nothing changes. And yet, everything changed. You see, that's the deal. Like sometimes we're looking on the outside and we forget the Holy Spirit is doing something inside so that Scripture says it's no longer you that live, it's Christ that lives in you. Every Christian that comes up out of those waters is a new creation, 100% new from the inside out. That's what Scripture tells us. The truth is that no one can enter the kingdom of God, this is Jesus, without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce, (laughs) only human life, duh, (laughs) but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. He produces a brand new life in you. Do you realize that? As soon as he produced a new life in you, so it's both like a tomb and a womb, baptism. It's a tomb in the sense that when you go, up under, when you go underneath the waters, you're buried. You die to yourself, the old life. And then when you come up out of the waters, you rise to this new spiritual life, the supernatural family that you belong to now. Everything that God promises is given to you then. He's not like waiting, I'm going to give you a little taste of it now and then I'll give you something else later as you get better. No, you are given the Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit only came upon certain individuals at various moments for very specific purposes. So like David or Samson or Moses or the prophets, he didn't live with them like all the time, 24-7. But when Jesus comes and before that, the prophet said, God said through the prophets that I am going to pour out my spirit on all my believers one day. Acts 2 is that moment when the, the gospel is preached for the very first time. The gospel of Jesus is resurrection. And the 3,000 people respond in repentance and baptism. It's the beginning of the church. And on that day, that's when his spirit was poured out on every single believer. That day, that responded. The same for us today. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all believers when we say yes to Jesus and come out of those waters. Another thing that the Spirit does, and this is a big one. Have you ever wondered if you're really a Christian or not? Even if you are, because like, do you ever wake up? This is sad, because like, do you have like a good earthly father? This is a good example, but because some don't. And if you have a good earthly father, could you imagine waking up every day wondering, I wonder if my dad loves me. I wonder if I'm still a part of this family. The Spirit reminds you, he confirms you that you are God's child, that you're a believer. He gives you assurance that you have eternal life. Assurance. That's a powerful thing. You don't have to wake up wondering, does God still love me still? Am I still a part of this family? The Holy Spirit assures you. Listen, you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, which is the Aramaic way of saying Dada or like Daddy. It's like that intimate thing that a child calls their, you know, the father that they love. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So he testifies on our behalf. These are my kids. That's powerful. How does he do this? Well, he's a seal. He's both a seal and a guarantee. A seal and a guarantee. Ephesians 1 tells us, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So get this. Imagine, even today, like your birth certificate, important documents are sealed, right, with, a, with an actual seal to prove that they are authentic, the real deal. Uh, if you have to get something notarized, a contract, right, you get a stamp or a seal to prove that this is a legitimate, Right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It proves to you that you are truly a child of God. The work that it's doing in you proves it. It's also called a deposit, like a guarantee. So imagine like a down payment. 
Um, if you put money down now to promise that you're going to pay the whole thing and you'll own it at some point, right? The whole thing. What is our promised inheritance with God? Eternal life in heaven, right? So that's his promise, his eternal promise in the future. So the Holy Spirit, he says, is a deposit. I'm giving you that now to show to you, to prove to you that this is a real deal. I'm giving you a taste of it now so that you know the future promise is real. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit now. It assures us, it seals that you are, that you belong. And if you don't realize what the Holy Spirit does, then you're not going to realize that you can trust it because you're going to think it's your job, but it's not your job, it's the Holy Spirit's job. You see how important this is? And that's literally just number three of the tools and the gadgets the Holy Spirit provides. Number four, he consecrates us, which is a big word for a big thing. He helps make us holy. He sets us apart for holiness. This is it, man. We think we can make ourselves holy. You really think you're better than you are. I think I'm better than I am, and I can become a good person on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I can figure this out. The Holy Spirit says, or God says, the Holy Spirit is what makes you good, what allows you to be holy, to become more like Jesus on an everyday basis. Listen, 2 Thessalonians 2, we are thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and by your belief in the truth. What makes you holy? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit makes us holy, not your goodness, not your works, not anything that you'll ever do in your lifetime. Even if you've been a believer for 50, 60 years, the Holy Spirit is what makes us holy. We, this, we live in a fallen world, right? We live in an unholy world. None of us would, I think, argue that point. It's a messed up world. And we all participate in it. For a long time, we said no to Jesus, and we did our own thing, right? So that means I put a whole lot of the world in here. And so when I say yes to Jesus and come out of those waters, God says, I'm not taking you out of the world. I'm taking the world out of you, piece by piece, because I, I put a bunch of stuff in there, and he's going to take that stuff out. Romans 8. You have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you keep on following it, you will perish. It's consequences. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live by the power of the Holy Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Listen, you've got a supernatural power. And you're waking up every day living on your own. When God wants you to have something that will prepare you for every single moment that you ever get involved in. And Christians, believers, you've been given this Holy Spirit and yet you're not living by it. You're not realizing, you're not taking the privileges, the opportunities that you've been given. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Sometimes I think we just, we forget the truth. And so we start saying things like, I should be a believer, like, well, I just, man, I can never overcome this. I don't have enough willpower. You can never say that ever again if you're a believer because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Every single moment from the rest of your life, as you, if you sin, it has nothing to do with your willpower. You have all the power in the universe to overcome it. You choose to sin. So own it. You chose to sin. You do have the power to overcome it. You do have the ability to say no, but you chose not to because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And you can be obedient to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're uh, ancient like me. You remember Michael Jordan? There was these commercial series for a long time called Be Like Mike. 
I want to be, I want to be like Mike. You know, that, anyways, it was a catchy song. Anyways, it was about Mike, Michael Jordan. Everybody wanted to be like Michael Jordan because he was super awesome, could dunk on everybody, greatest player, all that kind of stuff, right? But the truth is, none of us can be like Mike. I could practice my entire life, 24-7, and I will never, ever, ever be as good as Mike. I'm never going to be Mike. And yet, this was the commercial series, right? Ten years after this commercial, there is a movie called Like Mike. This little kid finds Michael Jordan's sneakers on this playground. He gets zapped by lightning, and he puts the sneakers on, and he's automatically transformed into an NBA all-star the spirit of Michael Jordan living inside of him. Cool, right? I mean, the dream of every kid. Sweet, if I just put the sneakers on, I can be like Mike. Duh, hello, we know that's not true. But think about this. What does scripture say for us to do? (laughs) It says be like Jesus. That's your job. You need to be like Jesus. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I know that ain't working, right? You can't even be like Mike. You think you're gonna be like Jesus? I'm never gonna be like Jesus. I can practice my whole life. I can't even be like Mike. How would I ever think I can be like Jesus? And yet it's exactly what scripture says. You gotta be like Jesus. But what if, what if the spirit of Jesus got to live inside of you? All of a sudden, you got an opportunity. You can. God never asked you to do something that he didn't prepare you for. God never asked you to do something he doesn't equip you for. Do you believe that? That's what he says. He's given you what you need, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. He's changing us from the inside out to have even the same desires and attitudes that Jesus have, to want the things that Jesus wanted. Are you allowing it to do its work? Or are you staying away from it? It's wanting to produce Christ-like qualities in you Jesus would say, you're known by your fruits, right? Like the fruits of your life, what you, what you create in your life. What are the fruits of the Spirit that are supposed to be evident in our life? Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about this. Every single one of those you have because you were given. If you said yes to Jesus and were baptized, you have the Holy Spirit. Every single one of those you have. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The truth is you just forget that you have them or you choose not to live by them. Why are we praying for patience? If you said yes to Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, you have patience. Why are you asking for self-control if you said yes to Jesus and were baptized? You have self-control because we forget. We think it's up to us. We didn't realize what we were given. The Holy Spirit is amazing. And you've been given the Holy Spirit. Or if you're living this life on your own, but aren't you tired? God offers the Holy Spirit all of those fruits. Ephesians 4, this is is troubling for me anyways. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. You ever know that kid that no matter what you say, you could say the sky's blue and they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a shade of blue. Like it doesn't matter what you say, how nice you say it. They're just going to give you grief. They're going to make it hard for you. Maybe it's your parent. It's the dad, the mom. I don't know. They're just always going to say something about something, right? It's just annoying, isn't it? Sometimes I'm that kid to God. Instead of bringing joy, I bring grief. Why don't you do it my way? Well, I wanted this. Well, I want that. Well, I just think, right, I'm bringing grief. I'm bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit instead of joy. Ever think about that? It's just halfway. Number five, this amazing spiritual tool that we've been given as he counsels us. He helps us follow truth. This is a big one, man. Think about a therapist with you 24-7, always just sitting on the couch. Pretty awesome, right? If you ever wonder, if you want to know how to do something, someone's got to teach you how to do it, right? 
How do I be like Jesus? How do I know what the truth is? Well, Jesus said the Spirit is your counselor. It's actually two Greek words, para and cleat. Para meaning alongside, cleat meaning to call. So it's the one called to be alongside of you always, to help you, encourage you as you go along life. That's crazy. Like this professional, awesome counselor right there with you 24-7. John 14, 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you don't have the spirit and you don't know truth. You can't even understand truth because without the spirit, you can't. That's what it says. But you know him. For all those who have said yes to Jesus, you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. Because you know him, you can live, live the right way because the spirit is teaching you what is truth. Showing you how to live according to the truth. 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. The anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Listen, this isn't, you don't need good teachers in your life. This is, when you read, have you ever read the Bible, right? Open up the Bible, and you're like, <laughs> I got nothing. I have no clue what I just read, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get what I just read. Like, there's words, but I don't understand. Have you ever been that way? I know I have. The Holy Spirit is still doing something and teaching you those words. This is it's not a book. It's God speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit actually is teaching you truth. Whether you get it or not in that moment, the Holy Spirit is teaching you, and it's going to remind you of those words and bring those words out and draw them out of you. But if you keep the book closed, guess what? You have no clue what it says, and you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do its work in you. So get in it regularly so you can know what it says, and also so you can let the Holy Spirit do its work in you. Number six, he connects us. He binds us together in unity. And my goodness, don't we need that? <laughs> don't we need some unity? We're clinging, we're grabbing to every single thing we can grab onto to maybe bring some unity in this world and it's all failing us, isn't it? It's because there's only one thing that can bring unity and it's the Holy Spirit. You try to bring unity, anything other than God and the Holy Spirit, then it's not unity, it's you. We need unity something that Holy Spirit brings. It combines us. It brings us out of this isolation, separation into this new family. That's a beautiful family. And that's why Ephesians 4 warns us, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit brings unity, not you, not I. It's our job to keep the peace. How are you doing? Are you arguing with everybody, making everybody agree with you, Christians? I'm talking to you first. Have you made a bunch of man ray rules and everybody's got to agree with you before you will love them? Like, no, come on, this is ugly stuff. And it's grieving the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit brings unity. It's his church, not my church, not your church. Are you being unified? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to keep us unified or are you fighting against that? You know he's grieving when he sees us split up in all these denominations and man-made rules and our political persuasions and all this stuff that we make more important than the unity that he provides. And when you're looking for unity anywhere other than the Holy Spirit, you're not going to find it. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will bring ruin upon anyone who ruins this temple. His words, not mine. For God's temple is holy and you Christians are that temple are you acting like it? There's always going to be fires in the church because we're people and we just don't diso we disobey. And so when you gossip, slander, talk about each other, Facebook, in person, whatever, 
Understand, you're always carrying two buckets with you. No matter what situation you go into, you're carrying two buckets. One's filled with water, one's filled with gasoline. It's your choice which bucket you're going to pour on it. Are you fighting for unity? Are you fighting for peace? To keep unity in the church? God says it's a big deal. Seven. Man, he keeps going, dude. This is the coolest tool ever. He equips us to serve. He spiritually gifts us to build the church. Yes, you receive one spirit, but this one spirit gives all of us different gifts. Gifts, maybe like teaching or encouraging or helping or serving or cooking. It could be up front, it could be behind the scenes, but all of them are essential for the body. And when all of us use our gifts, then the whole body is healthy and good. But when one of us or even a few of us, or especially when a large group of us do not use the gifts and don't serve, then the whole body suffers. Not just you, not just your family, the whole body suffers. 1 Corinthians 12, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good that's for everybody, not for yourself, for everyone. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. He chooses not you what gifts you receive, and it's what you need and what he wants you to have. It's up to you to discover it, to develop it, and to use it. But he commanded you to serve, to meet the needs that he has to help other people, to build up the church. And if you choose not to do that, that's your choice. But he commands us to serve. And he's never going to ask you to do something he doesn't equip you to do, and so he's given you gifts to use. To those that are serving right now, making a difference, meeting needs, thank you. You know, we couldn't do it without you kind of thing. But you also know that there's a lot of things that could get done that aren't getting done because we just don't have enough, right? There's always more that God could do. The church is always a little less effective, not just this church, any church, the church is always a little less effective when God's people say, serve me instead of let me serve, use me. What are you doing with the gifts that God's given you? Are you using them? Number eight, final gift, tool that he gives us. He emboldens us to witness. He helps us to share Christ. Another command he gave every single believer, go into all the nations, share the gospel, make disciples. It's not an option. It's not an option. But he also said, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. And in Acts 1.8, he tells us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. He gave you exactly what you need. You have the Holy Spirit to embolden you, and it's exactly what happened in the first century. When the Holy Spirit came on them, they were speaking boldly. Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Unwilling to speak the name of Jesus? Do you talk about your political stuff before you talk about Jesus? Do you talk about your hobbies before you talk about Jesus? Even invite people to church? And your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, they need, they need the gospel. Are we going to tell them? And you've been given, the Holy Spirit can do amazing things in you that you'll never even realize if you just let, let, him, let him do his work. Tell, him the, tell people the good stuff that he's done in your life. Let him use your words to make a difference. Our big idea, once again, is to keep filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered for holiness and equipped for service. Life is hard. That's where we started off, right? Life is hard. Let's just not pretend it's hard. It's hard for every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. It's hard. It's a fight. That's what Scripture says, too. It's a fight. It's not a fight just against flesh and blood. It's a fight against spiritual powers of darkness, principles, rulers, and leaders. The devil is out to get you. And God says, I've prepared you. I've given you exactly what you need. I've got something for you that will overcome anything that you will ever face, that will prepare you for any moment that you will ever, any temptation, anything. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or do you think he left you on your own? 
You get dunked in the water and then the rest of your life you're on your own. That's not what he said. Or if you're living this life on your own, aren't you tired? Aren't you frustrated? I know I was. You try and you're working your tail off, but it's just not doing what you thought it would. God says you don't have to anymore. I've got what you need. Don't you want it? I know your family needs it. Your friends and coworkers need it. We all need it. God has given you, he has promised the most amazing tool ever. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. And then during this prayer, I want you to pray along with me, whether it's silently out loud at home, wherever you are. Do you really believe that God is here with us? He's listening right now. He's going to hear your prayer. So pray your words or pray some of the words that I'm going to pray. But are you willing to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that it needs to do? He's going to convict you right now and continue to encourage you in whatever you need. I just encourage you to pray with me. God, let's pray. We love you. Thank you for Jesus that makes all the difference. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for convicting us of exactly what we need to be convicted of. And so for every single person that's either in person or watching online, God, your Holy Spirit is convicting, it's encouraging, it's nudging, it's doing everything that it promised us that he would do. So right now, if we are believers, then we confess our sin, we confess our disobedience, we confess that we said no, even though we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, I'm confessing our sin, I'm confessing my sin, and say, please, we know that you will for- you forgiven, you forgive us, If we're a not a believer, maybe we're ready to say finally, I'm tired of doing this on my own and I recognize that Jesus is God's son and he died on the cross for my sin. And God, I, want my forg- I need forgiveness. I need a savior and I recognize that Jesus is that savior and I want to ask him to be my savior, to forgive me. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts with confession, repentance, and then only what Jesus can do is to bring that eternal life salvation into our lives. Thank you for your word which tells us the truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what you've done, it all starts with God's word, truth. And that's to say yes to Jesus and accept his gifts and then to live by them. So where are you? Maybe you're ready to make that decision. Text us, email us, the information will be on the screen or after the service, there'll be somebody waiting in the lobby in rooms A, A, C, and D, I believe, just to have a conversation with you. Hey, don't wait. Don't wait for a special day, for a special emotion or feeling. There's warm water back here. There's a change of clothes, towels, everything you need to say yes to Jesus right now. Maybe you are already, you've been a believer, but you've never made that own decision to be immersed. Hey, today could be that day. Experience what God has to offer. And then let's leave here living confidently in that truth. Next week, we open up a brand new series called The Way. We're going to continue in these core beliefs, but we're not going to be focusing on God. We're actually going to be focusing on you. Maybe that sounds interesting. So make sure you come back and invite some friends. Kids ministry is opening up. But this week, here's a reminder of the challenge. Let's live confidently, knowing that God has given you and promised exactly what you need to live boldly under the control of the Spirit. All right. Adios.